Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel, one by one, spoiler free. And by spoiler free, I mean, of course, we will be free of spoilers from future episodes. However, we might talk about details from previous episodes, which we're probably going to in this one. Um, I'm Jason, and Harrison, you are looking very good today. Oh, thanks. Just came from a 10-hour shift uh, at work. So so if I let Jason do all the heavy lifting this episode... <laughs> Uh, I'm, as Jason said, I'm Harrison, and, uh, once in a show that I was in, I wore an outfit not too dissimilar to Cordy's princess outfit. Ah, I remember that show. And I am referring to my costume, uh, my post-gay costume, my, my coming out costume as Lancelot and Spamalot. His name is Lancelot, and in tight pants a lot. <laughs> And by tight pants, it was a glittery silver bikini bottom. And you loved it. I did. I was. <laughs> I looked great, and I'm still mad that I wasn't allowed. I had that I had to wear the black tank under the costume. Uh, I do understand that it looked better with the black tights that I had to wear for like the rest of the show, but I was in great shape then, and I wanted to show off my stomach. You know what you have to do now. You have to get into great shape just so that you can take pictures of you in a sparkly bikini bottom. Agreed. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. That's the end of the episode. Completely forgot what we were doing here. Jason, what episode are we watching today? Harrison, today we are watching the penultimate episode of season two of Angel, season two, episode 21, Through the Looking Glass, because the Wizard of Oz and Alice in Wonderland references will continue. (laughs) Uh, This is the one where after discovering that Cordelia is the new princess destined to restore the monarchy of Pylea, um, everybody goes on a lot of different adventures And uh, we find a lot of revelations as well as a lot of really funny stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, and Wes and Gunn go all Shawshank Redemption. (laughs) Through the Looking Glass was written and directed uh, uh, quite successfully, I would say, by Tim Minear and originally aired on May 15th, 2001. Jason. Harrison. Why don't you tell our most gorgeous listeners uh, what we're drinking today? We are having some vodka crayons, uh, Jason, a Jason go-to. Um, and uh, fortunately, John had not thrown out the vodka and cranberry juice out of spite. <laughs> Y'all... Uh, Harrison and John's relationship is a is a beautiful thing, but also sometimes very puzzling thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I would like to clarify that John does not just like throw booze at, away out of spite. Yeah, that would be wrong. He, he would never throw. He does a lot of things to spite me, but never he would never <laughs> throw out booze. Um, but it was it was a joke that he made before we started recording. Um, <laughs> I don't want people getting the wrong idea. <laughs> All right, Jason. Uh, toast. Shall we toast? Uh, toast, yes. Um, here is to the people of... Was it uh, Saudi Arabia that had the oh, awful... Yeah. Really, those yeah. videos were quite yeah. distressing. Here's to those people. Uh, may, they, uh, may their suffering not last forever, and may they uh, get the help that they need. Cheers. really needed that <laughs> uh harrison had a long day at work a long day at work it was fun like, it wasn't a bad day at work but just you know it was a long one i i worked 10 hours today which is great because on friday i'm 
fucking off two hours early. <laughs> Initially, I was going to go in two hours late today. But then I was like, ooh, holiday weekend coming up. I'll just I'll just do it. I'll work 10 hours today. Go home at 3 on Friday. Have a nice three-day weekend. Really considering taking some PTO on Tuesday. Haven't decided yet, but I might. Holiday. All right. Shall we get into it? Yeah, as I was talking to Harrison, this episode is packed. This with episode has <laughs> Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> that was really good. That was, uh, that was much better than mine, which is just a stereotypical femboy. <laughs> In the end, isn't that what Stefan is? Maybe not too stereotypical. I wouldn't call him a femboy, though. That's This is getting into queer politics that we just okay. don't have the time for. Um, all my love to all our stereotypical femboys out there. <laughs> you, you are loved and you are valid. This episode has everything. <laughs> it's got dancing. It's got crawling through shit. It's got... <laughs> It's got a trilogy, but it's spread out across three different books in a way that you wouldn't expect. <laughs> and it's got a gruesalog. Aww. <laughs> I have to say, for a character who, when first int- the, introduced the first time I ever watched this show, I was just like, oh, this irritating fucking bastard. And upon every rewatch, I'm just like, I love you, the Grusalug. You are just the sweetest little thing. Here's the thing. Um, you know how Disney has been doing like the live action remakes uh-huh. of a lot of their classic animated movies? Yeah, they gotta hold on to that IP. Yes, that's true. But um, I don't think any of the princes that are... Um, any of like the the live action princes are anywhere close to being a live action Disney prince as the Grusalog is. What? Like you look at him right? and he looks like if he was animated he'd be in a Disney movie. Yeah. What gets me is from like when the shots are like kind of further away, um, his eyes look like fully black. But when it's like close up, you realize that he has like these really, really rich, dark blue eyes that are just like, I don't think I've seen that shade of blue eye ever in another human being. And I'm just like, oh my God, you dreamy, dreamy man. <laughs> like, yeah, no, that is the best <laughs> adjective to describe him. He is a dreamy man. David Boreanaz, who? <laughs> <laughs> um, so let, we'll get back to the Grusalog, yes. though. So, uh, obviously, at the end of the last episode, it was revealed that Cordelia um, is very much a crown queen. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and at first, she's like, oh, off with their heads. <laughs> Good old Cordy. Good old Cordy. And then she's like, no, I'm joking. <laughs> um, and so she, uh, she dismisses everybody else except uh, Angel Investigations. And... Um, and she's like, well, they were like, well, I don't know what happened. They were sticking me with hot pokers and then they crowned me. And that's when Lauren realized, oh, sweetie, you had a vision, didn't you? And then he tells of a prophecy, which Angel Me is like, oh, yeah, prophecies, because those are great. Love those. <laughs> also, Lauren, information that would have been helpful up front. Oh, and uh, I, I do love that... Um, you know, as soon as everybody's gone and, like, the they're out of their chains, um, Wes, Gunn, and Lauren, like, start running running in the direction of Cordelia, but they, like, run right past her to get food. Yep. <laughs> Angel didn't do that, though. No. Because, no. you know, it doesn't make sense for him to eat food. Yeah. But I wonder if he could, like, taste food in Pylea. They never oh, really go into that. That's a... I, I mean, I would assume that... I mean, I know we, we know that he can taste food. It's yeah. just, like, it's kind of dull. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would make sense that he, in his human form here, he'd be able to taste food. Um, it's so interesting that they take that, um, approach, whereas, like, the Vampire Diaries, um, in, like, when you're a vampire, your, all of your senses, including taste, are heightened. So, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so, like, you know, 
they always brag about how like yeah food tastes better sex feels better like it, all i'm hearing is that in the vampire diaries being a vampire is fucking great i mean it kind of is <laughs> all right especially if you got a ring that allows you to walk around in the daylight yeah then you're like just you know it's like hot and banging people forever sign me up <laughs> sign me the fuck up <laughs> And yes, I'm aware that a daywalker is a different thing. That was a, mm-hmm. that was a joke. Um, but yeah, and so Lorne does say that his people have a prophecy that a messiah will come who will be cursed with the sight. A.K.A. Cordelia's visions gives her the link to the powers that be. Mm-hmm. And that this messiah will come and restore the monarchy. And um, Wes wants to look at some of the books to kind of confirm that prophecy and also figure out how the heck they're going to get out of here. Mm -hmm. That being said, Cordelia isn't too keen on leaving just yet. No. Why would she be? Mm -hmm. She's... This is like... What I love about this is this is just almost feels like confirmation about everything Cordy's always believed about herself. (laughs) Just like... I should have been treated as a princess. (laughs) Always. I mean... The uh, only thing that should change is that I go from tr- being treated like a princess to being treated like right? a queen. Her her nickname in high school was Queen C. Mm-hmm. Um, can we talk about her outfit real quick? And how yeah. fucking amazing she looks in it? It does, um, and it is kind of funny um, that, you know, she bring, when she's talking to the Grusalog later, she's talking about how, like, oh, being an actress sucked. The last gig I was in was uh, I had to wear this skimpy little outfit and... <laughs> She's like, oh, kind of like this. <laughs> yeah. But the key difference is that in the context of the show, yeah. um, that outfit was meant to be exploitative of Cordelia and just be like, yeah, you got to be like, you got to be hot to sell this. Yeah. Like, what were they selling? Like suntan, suntan lotion? lotion? Yeah. Okay. Whereas this, this is like the garb of royalty. Yeah. It's a symbol of power. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, and this is something I noticed, I don't know if it was an intentional, like, sound design, um, or if it's just a lucky coincidence, but the, the costume jangles a lot, and you can always hear it when she's moving around, and at first I was like, wow, they really maybe could have gone in in post-production and brought that the jangling down just a tad, but then I was like, on the other hand, the jangling of, like, the whatever's on there kind scales. of also sound is very reminiscent of like um the re- like chains um and i was like that actually works as some good symbolism whether intentional or not that even though she is uh you know this is you know a gilded cage is still a cage and mm-hmm. she is you know been given a higher status than the other humans but she's still a prisoner yes as we will get more into later in the episode but I don't know if that was intentional symbolism, but I think it works, even if it, they didn't mean for it hey, to. Hey, man, if you, if you can get a read like that, that's that's your read, man. Yeah. Um, speaking of uh, reading, Angel reads himself in the mirror. Um, and uh, I love that um, she sees him looking in the mirror, and Cordelia's like, oh my god! <laughs> and one of the, the first of many really funny jokes is that Angel does is seeing his hair for the first time, yeah. and he thinks it looks stupid. <laughs> They're like, "No," he's like, "This is because it went through the portal, right?" Like, "No, it always it looks always like, that. like that," which is so funny because that is like a hairstyle that obviously requires product, right? <laughs> he's lying through his fucking teeth. I mean, but then again, he can't see his own reflection, so does he just like grab some mousse, like throw it up in his hair, and hope that it works? Has has Angel, like, does Angel think he's been doing his hair in a completely different style <laughs> for, like, 50 years? Yeah, because, <laughs> like, you know, he used to have the long hair. Right. Now, here's the thing that I've often wondered in the Buffy universe. Once a vampire gets their hair cut, does it grow back? Um, there is an episode of Buffy where we are going to see Spike's roots. Okay. So, uh, so yeah. Makes, all right. Yeah, I remember that. So now. Okay. yes, I think is the answer. Okay. How? Magic. <laughs> because despite despite urban legend, our fingernails 
and our hair do not continue to grow after we die. That is uh, basically an illusion caused by our skin decomposing. Pushing stuff out. Makes it, yeah, it makes it just, it's a bit of an optical illusion. So, um, but yeah, we'll say vampire magic uh, causes their hair to grow. So Wes, Cordelia, and uh, Wes, Cordelia, and Gunn decide to look at some of the uh, books that they had, that this, um, that this uh, brotherhood has on uh, these prophecies, and uh, and West tells uh, Lauren to take Angel to his family's home to hopefully find. Uh, um, uh, why am I blanking on his cousin's name? Uh, Klembach. Landon. <laughs> Landon. <laughs> can't just like. I know it seems like you can, but you can't just like s- string two random syllables together. Oh really? You can't just string two syllables randomly together, like uh, numfar. Perhaps. Hey, hey, for instance, need... for example. Hey, we're getting to numfar. Um, Lorne does take Angel to his family's house and. This scene is hysterical. So funny. Um, so a very large, burly Pylian comes up to Lorne and says that uh, one can't believe that he's alive, and uh, and then just talks about how shameful it is that he's returned. And and Lorne says, "Hey, mom, it's good to see you too." And Angel <laughs> has this complete look of disbelief on his face and mouths. Mom, <laughs> so heteronormative, Angel. It, oh it, my god, it is. But god damn it, it's funny. Um, and uh, and uh, right up until he's not hilarious, David Boreanaz is so fucking funny in this episode. Yes. and then it takes a hard turn. It, it does. But oh my god. But yes, and uh, so we we get to meet a bit of the death walk clan yeah it's which is like great uh lauren asks if there was you know what happened after he was uh transported away cuz they're kind of looking for like a hot spot or something mm-hmm. so that they'll be able to open a portal yeah. back home cuz as cordy mentions or she, when she asks they're like we don't have the books or the portal or no it's like we need the books and a portal to get home and we lost it and cordy's like which one? And he's like, well, both. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and so he says, like, oh, I guess things must have been bad after I disappeared. Like, no, we actually feasted for several for several days. Numfar did the dance of joy for, for the entirety of that time. Then what follows is quite possibly the funniest sequence in all of Angel and the legendary lines, Numfar, do the dance of joy. Yes. <laughs> and... <laughs> What we get has to be seen to be believed. Oh, that's so funny. And, you know, I was worried, because famously, Numfar is played by Joss Whedon. And I was a little worried. I was like, oh my god, is is the Dance of Joy, like, not going to bring me joy? Because, you know, the Joss Whedon of it all. And maybe it's just the heavy makeup, but listeners, the Dance of Joy still brought me much joy. (laughs) And, And Lauren does remark... You know how I said that my world doesn't have any music? I wish it was the same for dancing. <laughs> so bad. It's so funny. But yes, um, and uh, Landoc d- is there, and um, at first, uh, Lauren's mother just keeps calling Angel a cow, but Landoc does then like shows up and says, like, this is no cow. He is a hero, and he is the slayer of the, uh, the, the Draken. I was about to be like the Gloopnar, <laughs> you know the Grillbo. You know it should be noted that the last episode of this season is called "There's No Place Like Plurtskorb." So, so I um I, I wrote a uh, a fantasy uh, television pilot, um, and one of the one of the things that needs to happen on my next uh, uh, edit of it is coming up with actual names for like various monster characters because they are all just terrible glorbers and fleeners i'm really bad at coming up with fantasy names glorbers and fleeners and giulianis (laughs) (laughs) um yeah and so uh landoc says that angel's a hero 
Um, and uh, the Deathwall clan starts celebrating Angel, and uh, they and they want to like adorn him in this uh, fur, and he, he makes he. He's very careful to say that when they take his leather coat, not to use wire hangers. <laughs> no wire hangers! Oh, uh, I don't know if I can, like, uh, make that a... Uh, I don't know if we can, like, make fun of that anymore, because it's a very serious matter. Um, yeah, fair enough. That being said, uh, when I was in a... Um, when I went to Indianapolis one time with a friend, we were in an 80s-themed uh, escape room, and uh, you had to get, like certain amount of keys to open up the door Mm -hmm. and uh one of the last keys that we had to get was in like uh, it was at the bottom of this box that like was too deep for you to reach down with your hand and then like if you turn around you see a wire hanger and a and a picture of from mommy dearest and it says yes wire hanger so you have to bend the wire hanger to hook the key um no it was i wish you guys had been there it was an enjoyable (laughs) an enjoyable escape room the only one i've ever done i've never done an escape room i did um when i worked at the kentucky center um we were doing a retreat for our supervisors and my colleague created an escape room for them and we had planned for it to last about 45 minutes those fuckers solved it in 20 because they were all working together. They were all using the team building skills we hoped they would. I was so furious. I was like, bunch of, What a bunch of assholes. I was like, <laughs> You all are a great team. <laughs> Too good. Now we have to fill 25 more minutes. I think we just ended early because. Yay! <laughs> um, but yes, Angel is uh, going to be the guest of honor at the upcoming village feast. Woo! Uh, to Angel's happiness, because he, when they put those furs on him, he does get. He does like. Oh, hey, this is pretty nice. He, he loves it. Like, that is the fun thing about the first half of this episode of Angel. Like, Angel, for Angel, he gets to, like, you know, as Lauren points out, he gets to be acknowledged as a hero without yeah. all of, like, the murky moral conundrums that he has to go through in, in the real yeah. world, in our world. He and Cordelia actually have a bit of a similar arc in this episode of, like, Pylea is a great place for them. She gets to be a princess. He gets to, you know, be in the sun and have a reflection and be regarded as a hero. I can be a um, hero, baby. It's almost like it's too good to be true. Yeah. Um, we go to the uh, library where, um, yeah, for some reason they like lumped, uh, they lump like, different scenes together out of order on the Buffy on the Buffy wiki so wouldn't be the first time yeah uh, we go to the library and uh, Wesley is um, trying to Wesley notices that uh, one of the books that they got out has a um, has a heart on the cover and uh, Cordelia says uh, uh, no that's a Bambi <laughs> that made me think of that made me think of uh, of um, oh god uh, Troy in Community when he says that he's a Dracula. He's like, you mean a vampire? He's like, I don't, I'm not a specific Dracula. Yeah. Nerd. <laughs> but, um, yeah, obviously uh, by the heart he means H-A-R-T, which is another word for, uh, is that like a specific type of, of like buck or something? I think so. I think okay. it's like regionally specific. Maybe um, like, I think he said like maybe it was a red deer or something like that. Yeah. Uh, um, I thought it was also just a clever, um, uh, yeah, it's a male red deer synonymous with a stag. Gotcha. Um, but I also thought that was a clever way of like, okay, everyone knows what a wolf is. Everyone knows what a ram is. Heart is going to be, you know, that's a little more 50, 50 of people who know what that is. So I, I thought that was... No, no. It was good to do that at the beginning of the scene. Yes. Um, so that later it like, it tracks yeah and uh as wesley is um translating some of the books he finds out that uh the cursed one uh will have to perform a kumshuk and that will be with a grusalog and okay it it sounds like i made these up (laughs) (laughs) at least there are vowels in these words (laughs) and and cordelia's just like what? 
Gun says, cum shock sounds dirty, yep. which it is. It is. <laughs> it's all about the banging. Mm-hmm. Um, which, I mean, for those of you keeping track at home, here's yet another time when uh, Cordelia is put into a situation where she's forced to be have intercourse or yeah. be impregnated by um, yet another thing according to a prophecy or against her will. Jesus when literally when she had this line of like Jesus again I was I literally was like yeah Jesus again for fuck's sake but I like I do like how it's turned on its head in this one agreed I agree um, but uh, yeah um, Wes realizes that um, the book that he's reading from is actually a uh, it's a trilogy but not a trilogy as you would think like a passage can start in one book continue in another book and end in the third book which is really cool it, it is cool um i feel like that may have been used in something else that i've seen in like the past couple of years mm-hmm. uh but i can't think of it off the top of my head but it's a it's a really cool device it feels like kind of the sort of thing that would show up in like a dan brown novel of yeah like some sort of, like some sort of puzzle or something yeah and uh anyway while and this is actually kind of um, even with all the humor in this in this episode. I remember watching this reveal and thinking that it was like one of the coolest damn things I'd seen in the series oh, so far. Absolutely. Because while Gun and Cor- Gun and Cordelia are talking about what a cum shock might be, what a grusalog is, um, Wes uh, closes the books, notices that there are different animals. And um, puts them in order, and Gun reads out wolf, ram, and heart. Oh my god. Like, I even got goosebumps just saying that. Yeah. Uh, it fucked my brain the first no, time I really watched it. No, it really did. This. I was like, was oh like, my god. I was like, what? And I feel like, unfortunately, that that's never like explicitly linked back to that in the series again. No. Uh, but, but I love that it's a, it expands the world a little. It even does. It's not specifically important. Well, this episode expands a lot of things oh, in the yeah. mythology. Uh, but yeah, no, it um, it's it's so cool because one, you think that that is this the origin of the name Wolfram and Hart? Mm-hmm. It does um, does uh, is Pylea one of the places where Wolfram and Hart started? Maybe mm-hmm. I mean. Uh, are the ancient ones in, or excuse me, are the senior partners uh, in any way um, related to this brotherhood or whatever? Yeah. That, yeah. Because I mean, you know, they're they're hooded, they're freaks. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jason, they're they're becloaked. Oh yes, excuse me, they're becloaked. <laughs> uh, but no, that was I thought that was so cool, mm-hmm. and I thought it was so cool that like especially how they do it, how they yeah. set it up, because it's. It's just really good. It's just another one of those, like, you're, it's just, it seems like a totally random run-of-the-mill scene. Um, it's it's like the reveal that Riley's in the initiative. Like, mm-hmm. you're not expecting any sort of twist or reveal, and it just happens so casually that at first you're like, wait, what? What? <laughs> like, and I love when these shows do that. Yeah. They do it really well. And, uh... And and see and when they put those books together, Wes starts to think, oh, maybe we shouldn't trust this brotherhood. Um, go back to the village square where uh, Angel is recounting the uh, tales of his glory days um, by uh, one talking about how he chopped the hand off the evil lawyer. <laughs> Something tells me that he might have embellished just a little bit. I think maybe a little. <laughs> I really hope is like this lawyer was so evil, like what total dick. <laughs> and um, and uh, yeah, this is when he has the conversation with Lorne about how oh yeah, it must be like so great uh, that you don't have all like your moral quandaries and stuff that you have in the real world, and and you know, Angel's just trying to enjoy this and. Uh, Landox says, "Like, oh, come, Angel, tell us of the, tell us of the, uh, of the story of the wizard who could dis- who could take off his limbs at will." And uh, if you guys don't remember, yeah. uh, season one, episode four, I fall to pieces. Back when uh, Doyle was on the show. Aw, and Kate Lockley. <laughs> 
but not Trevor Lockley, not oh, just oh, yet. Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, but but uh, they say that um, because everybody's all about Angel, they want him to swing the Krebel in the Bachnall. Interesting that it's a Bachnall, which is very reminiscent of the word Bachnall, which, which is a reference from Bacchus, Bacchus, the a Greek. Mm-hmm. Roman. Roman. A Roman yes. god. Um, the Greek version is Dionysus. Yes, yes. Um, it's fine. It's just like, it, it's a word that people know what it means, so I'm like, I'll, I'll allow it because it does give us a picture of what we're to expect, but I'm just like, but that word has very specific origins. Um, like, there's a there's an episode in one of the early seasons of Game of Thrones where um, Joffrey's having some sort of it might have been when they were preparing for his wedding. Um, but he was complaining about his outfit that was being prepared having fringe sleeves. But a lot of people misheard him and thought he said French sleeves. And were like, what the fuck? <laughs> There's no France. There's a Starbucks in Westeros, but no France. Oh, man. Uh, Starbucks. 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 Starbucks brought back their uh, pumpkin menu. So today I got... Uh, my first pumpkin spice latte and pumpkin cream cheese muffin of oh, nice. the uh, of the season. It was a good day for it too. It was like the weather was real nice today. Well, I mean, I was getting it at five o'clock in the morning, so oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like uh, there's there's one not too far away from where I work, and I work like the third shift, and uh, you know, it Starbucks opens at five, so if you go there early enough, you can be like the six a.m. rush. Nice, but yeah, no, and it was. Just as delightful as I remember, so I look forward to a weekly visit to Starbucks for a PSL. Lovely. And, uh, and a cream cheese muffin. Yeah. I really want a pumpkin beer now. <laughs> the Jacko pumpkin ale. That was good. <laughs> it was good. And the fact that there's a great SNL clip to go along with it is even better. Okay. Uh, but, um, yeah, so everybody starts cheering. They lead Angel up to this, like, platform, and they also lead up uh, our girl... Winifred Burkle. Brad. Um and uh yeah, so she is a rebel, uh as they say, a rebel cow. And uh by the way, Rebel Cow would be a great punk rock band name. Yeah, love it. Uh but yes, and they give Angel the Krebel, which is pretty much an axe, like a, a bladed weapon. Mm-hmm. And uh he's like, You want me to kill her? And uh, because they pretty much set up for yes, like cut off our heads, and then we can rejoice. And uh, you know, Angel being the hero that he is, like he takes off like the adornments that they gave him, and they're like, "Will you not use the Krebel?" He's like, "Only if I have to." And yeah, he, uh, badass. Yes, and he's like, and he's about to fight off the whole Death Walk clan um, until Lorne starts singing. Stop in the name of love before you break my heart. And uh, we find out that when Lauren sings, it the, the Pileans don't like it. They really, really don't like no. it. It's uh, a land without music. They don't know what's going on. Yes. Scrambling their little brains. So uh, in this case, uh, Angel is able to, uh, you know, get onto a horse and uh, yeah save the damsel and ride off into the sunrise or ride off into the sun so he's like he's checking off all them hero boxes right. baby um and uh he's checking off a lot of boxes for me <laughs> he always does he um however does. uh while tr- while distracting uh the death walk clan um uh lorne is attacked by some guards oh and uh, he does say it, it's possible that he says like shit. <laughs> it sounded like it, it may have gotten really the shit. Sounded out like there. he said shit. I it obviously isn't because it was allowed on television, mm-hmm. but they they fudged it uh, real close. Mm-hmm. It was like uh, Scorny Weaver and Galaxy Quest. <laughs> <laughs> well, screw that. <laughs> Except I didn't say screw. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. Um, so Silas is one of the priests, and uh, fuck this guy. <laughs> and um, he says that the uh, the Grusalog is coming near, 
Um, and uh, he also brings uh, the other guy, um, that guy that we hated from the first episode. I believe he brings Lorne in, or maybe it's, maybe it is like the Lorne's brought before yeah. Cordelia, and she like. Oh wait a minute, hang on. This happens later. Pardon me. Um, when yeah, we get Groot yeah, first. Yeah. So when so um, Wes and Gunn are trying to find a way out of the castle. Mm-hmm. Um, they can't really get out the front door one because it's being watched, and two, Cordelia decided that even though even if she's leaving she wants to take some mementos particularly <laughs> some silver mementos from her time as ruler i love guns we can't get these through the front door with your booty and she's like excuse me <laughs> and he's like the treasure <laughs> she's like oh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they do they do find a um a little like waste tunnel or whatever you could just and, call it a sewer. Wow. <laughs> My brain forgot sewer. <laughs> it's okay. Well, yeah, they, they find a trapdoor that leads into a sewer. Um, and uh, and they're like, oh, God. And uh, But they, Wes and Gunn do jump in. Uh, however, uh, Silas and uh, the rest of the priests do show up and uh, close the trapdoor before Cordy can get in. And uh, Cordy's just like, um, so yeah, I was taking all this to be cleaned. No, she wants it appraised. Wants it appraised, yeah. <laughs> Which is so on brand. <laughs> um, but they say that the Grusalog is near. And uh, when the Grusalog is, um, is finally brought in, it is this gorgeous specimen of a man. Like, um, and... And I do mean like, I do mean like gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, it's because I feel like there is like, obviously his body has like the rugged appeal to it, mm-hmm. but the face has very soft features. Yeah. Like it, it is very much a like, oh, this guy could kick a lot of ass, but he can also like hold you and cuddle you and make you feel warm. Yeah. I mean, it's the same appeal that Angel has. Like Honestly, I feel like. The Grusalog might be a little more, and maybe it's because of what we know about Angel, but he might be a little more amiable. Oh, absolutely. And, well, yeah, a, a little <laughs> more. Like He's I said, tender. He, yeah, because um, Angel, Angel does Angel's uh, composure is and complexion is a little more hardened than the Grusalog. Yeah. Um, like saying any of this stuff correctly, <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, and he's got a. The Grusalug has a cuddly center. A little, it, yeah. He's a little marshmallow. Yeah. And Angel's like, um, he's a chocolate like rabbit. A piece. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna say like a piece of like dark chocolate. Yeah. You know, a little bitter but still tasty. <laughs> <laughs> I go for some dark chocolate right now. I fucking love dark chocolate. Mm. My uh, one um, this uh this winery that my mom has like a subscription with uh one of their wines is a cherry cordial wine Mm. um which is good however it is sweet beyond belief like almost sickeningly sweet so what my mom what was suggested to my mom was that when you are drinking that wine before you take a drink take a bite of dark take a big bite of dark chocolate so like kind of oh, get yeah. that taste all in your mouth and then when you drink the cordial wine like the sweetness isn't doesn't Cut. hit you as hard yeah but it's still there and just like the sweetness of the cherry wine and the dark chocolate is delightful that sounds so fucking good sam adams used to have a like a uh like a cherry cordial chocolate bock oh okay that i have not seen in years but it was so good it came in like their um one of their like winter mm-hmm. like seasonal collections oh so good yeah i love sam adams oh, make good beer make good beer um but and uh of course they do find out that uh Comshuck is uh fucking yeah <laughs> gun was right <laughs> and um but yeah, uh, the Grusalog is a muscular young man who does look fully human. Um, they do bring in, uh, the guards do bring in Lauren after he's been caught. And uh, 
and you know cordelia just kind of like absentmindedly just says like oh yeah sure take care of it like no 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 pardon him like uh, <laughs> yeah. i pardon him he can go and uh and lauren says like oh i can see why you were distracted <laughs> god i love like the pansexual nature of lauren oh, it is the best it. so good uh but he's yeah. such a queero <laughs> That was supposed to be queer, queer hero, hero, but it actually sounded kind of like a slur. So I feel like it's not one that's going to stick in my lexicon. What about queerio, like a cheerio? Um, maybe. I'll, maybe I'll, maybe I'll... I just want like some cheerio. Maybe you just want some cheerios? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need dark chocolate and cheerios right the fuck now. <laughs> let, me, let me call my manservant. <laughs> um... Fred goes to a cave and um, after like because she kind of runs away from Angel. However, um, when she does see Angel and Angel asks if she's all right, the first thing that she says to him. Handsome man, save me from the monster. Yeah. And I love that I, line. I, I, I forgot about that line. And the minute that she said it, I just got emotional oh. because um, this, as with many characters, as often happens in TV, um, first lines between characters typically uh have a certain importance that we can't elaborate on right yeah. now but let's just say that it's it's great yeah and also it's great now even with no knowledge of it because she's a handsome man save me from the monster that's thick thick texan drawl yes <laughs> Which, it didn't seem like we heard too much when she was with Cordelia, but boy, when they yeah. get into the cave, it is on. Yeah, it was definitely there, but I think part of it is once she just had so few lions and was whispering all of them, uh, here she gets to be a little more vocal and yes. freedom, and yeah, it is there. But yeah, the, um, in this cave, uh, Fred keeps many things, including her glasses, a bunch of scribbles on the walls, which um, are like mixtures of... Uh, what I would assume is like Pylian script, but also like a little bit of physics in there as mm -hmm. well. Um, I believe she's like trying to figure out how to get home. Uh, but she's still very much, uh, she's still very much, um, traumatized mm -hmm. and still thinking that like, oh, I've been here all along and, uh, you know, like, you're so nice to me, so you're either fake or I, my head was chopped off. And if my head was chopped off and you're fake, there's no point in carrying on a conversation. Um, but uh, but Angel does see that her driver's license is there. And he realizes, oh, this is the girl from Corey's Vision who was studying physics. They called her Fred. And uh, she, like, went through the portal five years ago. And, um, like, and, uh, yeah... And uh, Fred just sees that, and she's like, so it wasn't a dream. Like, no, it's real, and we're going to get you back. Yeah, she has this very interesting, like... And we talked about this a little bit in the last episode, how she knows what her life was and knows that intellectually it was real, but, like, the severe trauma, it's like, it's like a block that she has, mm -hmm. um, where she's simultaneously, like, living two realities, one where that was real and one where it was she made it up and she can't quite figure out which of those two realities she lives in is accurate which is very sad and a very I imagine a very scary place to be um yeah we also do get a moment though very funny moment when uh she's like oh your friend we have to help her and he's like oh no she's fine they made her a princess and she's like oh that didn't happen to me. That did not happen to me. Good for her. Good for her. Yeah, that was that was so great. And like you know, between your um, between your like Lauren singing and dancings of and dancings of joy, um, it can easily be you can easily forget this. But it's such a great exchange because <laughs> it's like you know, Fred has been like in this state where she's like been misty and like panicked and everything, and it's like. She's got this first fully lucid moment, yeah. and she's like, oh, that didn't happen to me when I got here. Yeah. Good for her. <laughs> Fuck this. Uh, so she she's gone through the Sunnydale High experience now. She has fought monsters, and she's jealous of Cordelia. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Welcome to the Buffyverse, Fred Burkle. 
Oh. Um, yeah, so they're trying to get to the castle, but they are soon attacked by guards, and uh, Angel starts fighting them, and as he does when he's getting into tougher fights, he decides to vamp out. However, how the fuck ever, Yeah. Um, when he vamps out, he turns into a cross between like a Jim Hadar and uh, <laughs> and Shrek. <laughs> You're not wrong. Um, yeah, like uh, just imagine like a Jim Hadar with a much bigger head mm-hmm. um, and greener. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely some green there. Yeah, there are horns everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I gotta say, I love these these prosth- these prosthetics. Yeah, it looks great. It, it's great. Yeah. Um, I love the. It's it's also just a very shocking moment. Although it makes perfect sense within the internal logic they've created um there's also just a really sweet moment but right before he vamps out obviously not knowing that how he's going to vamp out but he tells her he tells fred like like you're about to see me kind of get scary but i'm on your side mm-hmm. um and he doesn't know how fucking right he is yeah um and i it's a brutal the way he takes out these guards like mm-hmm. really really violent in a way that we've not even seen Angelus be like it is he's an animal mm-hmm. i mean that's i mean that's like it's um it reminds me a little of how um uh um how oz was when in werewolf form in his second werewolf uh form um like that animalistic sort of vibe but even even there, we never saw yeah, anything all like all reason is gone. Um, yeah. It's just like this beast, yeah, um, and not a beast in a not a just, sexy beast, yeah, <laughs> sexy red dress. Um, but uh, yeah, so um, Fred runs away. Uh, the other guard runs away, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and you know this uh, demon is uh, like starts getting away. Uh, Wes and Gun uh get out of the sewer and uh they're like cordy didn't make it so they try to go find angel and lorne uh they they get attacked by this creature and uh gun's about to start fighting it when uh wesley notices angel's tattoo on like because the back of his shirt's been ripped open a little bit yeah. in a convenient spot to see the tattoo yeah, yeah and maybe he um, could have noticed he's wearing the exact same outfit that angel was wearing but i mean the tattoo yeah, works why, too. why is this guy wearing dolce and gabbana <laughs> uh, such a well-dressed demon uh but yes that's when wesley realizes oh it's angel and so um like this demon's about to like does get a good hit in on uh on gun um, gets a scratch in there and it's about to get like a lot more uh, before Fred shows up and you With know her bag of blood yeah so we've had bag of knives <laughs> now we've got bag of blood and uh, this is able to uh, draw angel away from the two yeah and it's when, a great moment for Fred yeah and it's it, such a like um such a cool shot just like her putting her fist into the bag pulling it out with the blood and holding it into the air it's just very visually very evocative and you know at first i thought you know how did she like immediately jump to that but then you have to to remember this girl's super smart she's like wicked smart so i like to think that even with the little information that she's had in the time that she's known angel she could figure out like oh how do i draw a vampire away from uh from like other humans bag of blood bag of blood yeah you know the yeah she's smart she's a smart cookie she's been here for a while you know she's got some tricks up she has not survived pilea this long without having tricks up her sleeves so uh so gun is like what the hell was that and west puts it together that so in this alternate dimension angel you know he yeah we've seen his human side on full display However, there's no balance between that and his demon side. So what we saw Angel transform into, that is like the pure form of the vampire demon. Yeah. And uh, that's such a cool addition to the mythos. mythos Because, um, yeah, until season seven of Buffy, we really don't get anything unique vampire-wise. aside from your standard vampire maybe the master yeah uh but no like or it's, kissing toast 
Kiss Toast was his name, <laughs> but I like Kissing Toast better. But um, I also really just like that moment of like the the dots connecting in your brain of like what the fuck is this but, homo talking about? Uh, no, I'm, I I say Queerio. <laughs> <laughs> what is this Queero saying? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so. <laughs> But yeah, so the typical, like, vampire that we're used to is, like, the ones that are in human form. And, you know, when they vamp out, they, you know, get a little bumpy on the forehead and get those teeth and eyes. But, yeah, this is, like, a pure vampire demon. And that's kind of crazy. And, yeah, really kind of cool. I love it. Um, When, uh, yeah, and now, um, so they get back to the cave and Angel sees his reflection in the water and now like you know this thing this reflection that he's been enjoying for so long in fact looking in that similar pool that same pool earlier he like gets distracted a little bit from talking to frank is like damn i look really good Uh, (laughs) but um he does uh he does revert back to his human form and that like and just kind of like is traumatized yeah fortunately fred has also been traumatized before so she can help she's like (laughs) She's like, don't worry, I got you, boo. <laughs> and just in case there weren't enough factions going on, uh, Gunn and Wesley are attacked by uh, some rebel humans. Yay! And, uh, of course, they tie Wesley and Gunn up because, you know, that's what rebel humans do. Um, they think that they are spy cows. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this is when Wes, much to the chagrin of Gunn, says, Excuse us, but we know the princess. And they're like, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll send you with a message. We'll send it, like, on a piece of paper, and uh, we'll send your decapitated heads. Yep. Great! I love that the whole time Gunn's like, shut the fuck up, shut the fuck up. And when Wesley, Wesley finally spills the beans, like, we know her, he's like, fuck. You absolute ding-dong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Gunn's like, God, these fucking white people. <laughs> No, he really is. He's just like, I could have stayed in L.A. with my crew. God damn it. I'm going to die with these fucking white people. And we don't want that for Gunn. We do not want him to have to die with white people. Um, in the cave, uh, you know, Fred's comforting Angel. And, uh, you know, Angel's just... He says, like, my friends saw me. They saw that demon inside of me. And now I can't go back to them. Aww. Um, Sweetheart. They saw what you did to those lawyers. <laughs> this isn't the worst that we've seen right? of you. They, you, you literally murdered Jenny Calendar, <laughs> and you know you were eventually welcomed back. <laughs> You're fine, honey. Um, so the Grusalog is basically telling. With that said, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, but like with that said, though, I feel I understand why for Angel it's very, very different. Like. That they have seen what is his true, pure, like, the evil that is inside him manifested into a physical form. Yeah. I recognize it. You know, I'm not... I apologize to Angel for making light of how of how he feels and how traumatic this was for him. Um, while also being like, you're fine, sweetheart. <laughs> They'll forgive you. But uh, the Gruselog is basically telling Cordelia that, uh, you know, he's been told all of his life that he's ugly and uh, he just wants his life to end, so he took like part in a lot of competitions and won all of them, and so failed at having his own life taken from him. And uh, he also more or less tells her in, in so many words that I have a dick. <laughs> like he's like, oh gosh, I'm only compatible to mate with humans. And she's like, oh. Well, he's like, he's like, he's having her like touches like his arms oh, and his bulging. heart. He has bulging arms, his heart, his face. And it looked like Cordelia wanted to touch more. Cordelia is <laughs> like a fucking waterfall. Gross. Like, it, is, it is a Sploosh. deluge. A fucking <laughs> deluge in there. But yeah, and uh, Cordelia is as the as the buffy wiki puts it understandably smitten i think i put it better <laughs> she is a waterfall <laughs> um so 
uh, Cordelia then like tells the Grusalog about her story and being an actress and um, how she's not really a princess. Um, and uh, but you know the Grusalog says like no, you definitely fulfill the prophecy. And so um, then that's when Cordelia. Uh, another one of the great things about Cordelia is mm-hmm. that after she's had time to get used to her situation, she usually steal tries a few to things. steal a few things. She usually <laughs> tries to make. The best things that she can with it and in this case she wants to start writing proclamations specifically aimed at like you know people not being enslaved and trying to prevent bad fashion decisions yep priority that's her girl right there yeah. <laughs> um now of course this makes silas and the other priests piss they're like no that cow's supposed to like fulfill this prophecy and mate with the grusalog and die yeah um yeah one of them wants to kill her and it is I sh- it should be noted i don't remember if it's this scene or if it's established earlier silas is just like no can't kill her but if she survives the com shock then she's all yours yeah. like which is like fucking men so uh Even so she's highly a fucking man yeah she's writing these proclamations and uh so he goes into her chamber um and uh he says he he kicks out the Grusalog, and uh, and Cordelia's like no stay and but he doesn't he just goes and and they're like uh, and Silas like see that cow knows his place and you should know yours, and uh, she says I beg your pardon and he's like pardon, that's something that you've been giving a lot princess. Well, here's what happened with your last pardon and he grabs this plate. Removes the cover and Lauren's head is Ugh. right there. Oh no. End of episode. I mean, what a way to fucking end an episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a. What a what a fantastic So like, good. so much happened in that so episode. So much happened. I remember at the end of it being like, that was a forty three minute episode. How is that fucking possible? <laughs> like um, <laughs> I mean you've got I mean, you've got Obviously, all the Cordy stuff. You've got the introduction of a whole new character in the Grusalug who is immediately charming and likable. You get uh, like, more buildup of a recently introduced character in Fred. Yeah. Um, and yeah, more characterization for her. I've, Gunn and Wesley kind of get the short side of things, but obviously they're being set up for something. Um, and we get Numfar doing Numfar. the Dance of Joy. And the dance of joy and the dance of... What's the second... Celebration? Is, is it celebration? No. No, but it's like the dance of... I don't know. It's something to... Like, it's something related to their... Uh, to, like, the Bacchanal they're gonna do. Maybe it is celebration. Dance of feasting or something um, like that. Uh, but yeah, um, this is... Uh, this is a great episode. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's packed with a whole bunch of stuff. But it never feels like it never feels overwhelming. Um, the only mark I have against this episode, and it's not, and it's not going to be like something that takes away from its overall score for me. Mm-hmm. It's just that it doesn't feel like an angel episode, partly because of the setting of Pylea, and it's so bright. Yeah, like almost no scenes occur at night. Um, there's a whole lot more humor. But that's kind of like, that kind of works towards the, especially Angel's character development Mm -hmm. in that it's such, like, it's such a different world and it affects him so differently than what it's like in the, in our world. By the way, uh, when I was reading the Buffy wiki, it did point out that this is the uh, only episode in both Buffy or Angel in which Earth is not a setting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. In in either series, this is the only one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and uh, no, I think it's fantastic. And I I honestly wasn't expecting to give this a five when I came into it. But then again, like I as I kept watching, like, oh, this is in here too. And this and this, all the <laughs> stuff that I like. Yeah. You know what? Five heads on a plate out of five yeah. for Through the Looking Glass. I'm right there with you, man. I think uh, it's so strong. It's so confident like in what it's doing that yes you're right it doesn't feel like an angel episode but in some ways that almost makes it more special yeah like the show really really swung for the fences with this arc and i mean 
they could have easily fallen on their face. These could have e- this could have easily been the worst run of episodes in the entire series. Yeah. Um, and I know it's by for many people it's considered some of the best. Like I know the Pylea arc is in many circles of the fandom fucking beloved and rightly so it's great yeah and and i could i would even say that like the show while still maintaining like its serious tone Mm -hmm. does add a bit more levity going forward from this yeah um with the introduction of uh of fred as well that always helps yeah uh and you know lauren being more of an active participant in these adventures yeah I also, um, this episode also really, like, as much as I'm fucking stoked to get to the gift, and, like, I really, really, really excited because it's my favorite episode, Mm -hmm. it also was really nice to have this bit of a palate cleanser uh, from from Weight of the World into the gift, and before that, between Spiral and Weight of the World, and I think that was deliberately yeah, done and, on and, the side and of the And honestly, there is a part of me that wishes, like last week, I kind of wish that we could go right from Weight of the World into the gift, um, or uh, go from this into There's No Place Like Plurts Glurb. We cannot, however, do that um, for a very specific reason yep. <laughs> in uh, in No Place Like Plurts Glurp. Yeah, major uh, spoiler in yeah. that episode for the gift. Uh-huh, but um, yeah, like, it, it is nice having, like, this, like, crazy serious, um, heart, uh, like, heart-smashing Buffy, and then just this um, humorous light, but also fantastic uh, uh, run for the Angel characters and cast, yeah. so... Yeah. yeah I think great. we're just in such a strong run of episodes for both shows. Yes. And I love that for us. <laughs> we're living in the golden age. Um, I love that story for um, you. I'm, I'm almost bummed that we're at the end of both of my favorite seasons of the shows. That is, of course, not to say that there's not a lot of great stuff coming for us on both shows. Yeah. Um, um, I think I mentioned it in our Hot Takes episode, but uh, while this season is amazing of Angel, my favorite is still season five. Yeah. Uh, and ironically, while this season of Buffy is amazing, my favorite yeah. is still season two. So, so you get to start and end the podcast on your two favorite seasons. How awesome is that? And I have, I I get them all at once. But it's like it, it's really funny because like oh you know, um, season two is the runner up to season five for Angel, but season five is the runner up for season two. Of, <laughs> yeah, because at this point, I really do feel like I was um. At this point, I really do feel like, uh, as much as I love season three of Buffy, this run, this watch through of season five with you has really kind of like put it over the charts, nice. uh, put it over season three, not season two though. Um, not just, Fair enough. uh, but yeah, uh, what was your uh, score by the way? Oh, I'm giving this one a four and a half out of five. Four and a half out of five. Yeah. All right. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and it's not that anything brought it down. It's just not quite what I consider a five. Gotcha. Um, okay. Uh, well, would you like to take us out? I would. Thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. We will be back next week with Buffy Season 5, Episode 22. The Gift, a.k.a. the WB finale. Um, but not the finale. So it is very interesting that you say that because um, one of the like uh one of the joss whedon works related uh twitter accounts that i follow uh they recently posted yeah whedoness they they posted uh viewers like they posted a pro uh an image of the promo for you know like the next two episodes of like the last episode of angel and the last episode of buffy and of course buffy was advertised as the series finale and Angel was advertised the season finale. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy because I-, I feel like maybe we should go into, like, maybe we should talk a little bit once we get to it about, like, what happened in between seasons five and six of Buffy. We will, um, because I've actually I've actually been doing some research to kind of prepare for that. And I've actually learned some stuff that um, it's actually not quite how I think we've all understood it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just a little tease. Um, by the time that the 
show what this finale the um uh the finale aired on the WB, it was actually already known to the public for about a month that the show would be back for a sixth season on UPN. Okay. Um and and I'll go into more detail about it, but the show was never actually like technically canceled. Okay. Um and it's 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 some cup it's it's kind of funny saying this while we're in the middle of whatever the fuck is going on between HBO and Discovery and all that. Yeah. But it's it's actually like a kind of complicated business deal that had to do with Buffy moving channels. Um so yeah, we'll talk about it more in the gift because I I've, I've been doing that kind of deep dive and I was just like reading some articles from I, the time know, and I was like, "What?" I, he, I, I don't th- I don't think we should do that in the actual gift episode, maybe in like the season 5 wrap up. That's just because I feel like we're going to we're going to have a lot to say about the gift. I agree. I agree. Um, That's a good idea. But anyway, well, you know, we'll see what happens. We're always just kind of like on the seat of our <laughs> pants here. Um, but yeah, thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at yamaj357, and you can find me on Twitter at yamaj. Yes. And I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman, and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's C O F F M A N. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy, or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. In all of those instances, the and is spelled out A-N-D. No ampersands for us, baby. Uh-uh. Except in our logo. Yeah. <laughs> and don't forget to subscribe and to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. And um, I am sorry... I did not come up with a nonprofit or charity this week, but well, go out and do something good. Yeah, um, and you know, like mentioned at the top of the episode, uh, you know, a lot of people in Saudi Arabia yes. and Middle East are uh, suffering after those floods, and a lot of it is related to climate change. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so obviously, like support relief funds, but uh, also if you have the means, uh, support a lot of like you know climate. Uh, climate change like information uh, sources and uh, but you know there's a little bit of hope um, I um, one of the uh, I subscribe to uh, Heather Cox Richardson who's this uh, law and, pol- and politics professor who does like kind of daily wrap ups of news and she was and yesterday she was talking about how uh, there have been a lot of initiatives especially in of all places Kentucky of um like moving towards clean energy mm-hmm. um andy Bashir, uh our awesome governor recently announced that a bunch of money had been put aside for uh, a manufacturer of batteries for uh electric vehicles wonderful um and uh similar things are happening in actually a lot of states around us ohio indiana tennessee um so there's a there's a big push forward to kind of like you know move into exclusively electric vehicles and uh and yeah and, and solar power as well yeah. so love that yeah all right well as always go slay and be gay yes Quirio. <laughs> <laughs> rufio